What a great defiant faith song. No matter what might come my way, no matter what the destination, I know he's working even when I don't see that he's working. He is here. And he's going to do his work in and through us. And he's going to turn bad situations into good situations. Let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we trust you. Uh, Even though the 2020 has been the longest year of our entire lives, we trust you. We trust in your plan that even in the midst of all the bad stuff that we see, that you've got a plan in all this, and it's going to bring about good for us and glory to you. Lord, we pray for all the medical workers who are on the front lines right now, for people who are sick in the hospital. God, we pray for your healing hand to be upon them. Lord, we pray for your guidance. We pray for your strength to be upon those people. Lord, I know that they're tired. I know that they're weary. Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon them and that you would give them strength that they've never known before. Lord, we thank you that you are here in our midst right now, that you are the way maker, you are the promise keeper, and nothing, no, nothing is impossible with you. And so, Lord, live in us, live through us. Lord, we want to be a proper representation of what it is to be a fully devoted follower of yours. So, Lord, may my words become your words, and may they bring great encouragement to all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. We're so glad that you guys are here with us today. I, I think I'm supposed to have a TV out here, aren't I? Oh, well, I guess we're going to bring it out. I got a video I'm going to show you first. I'm glad that you guys are here with us today. And also those who are watching us online and on TV. You know, uh, we had to take a little two-week break, but we are back. And if you feel comfortable coming back to be a part of a live service, we would love to have you. Uh, if you're not comfortable with that, that's okay too. But a lot of folks take advantage. There's something about being in the room that makes all the difference. And I know many of you at home, you would love uh, to be back here. And we look forward to the day when you feel comfortable uh, to return. We are having Christmas Eve services this year, and it's going to be a little bit different than years previously. Uh, Normally, we'd have anywhere from between 20 to 25,000 people that would come to one of our Christmas Eve services, and we were fearful that if we tried to have Christmas Eve services, we wouldn't know how many would come to each service, and we didn't want to mess up the social distancing and the seating requirements and all that. So for the past month, we've been working on a very special Christmas Eve special service that we're going to be airing on TV and also online. So we won't have any physical services this year because we just want to make certain that we protect as many people as we possibly can. But you are going to be delighted. This is the most uh, ambitious thing that we've ever done in the history of our church. And I want you guys to be praying that literally hundreds of thousands of people will tune in. We're going to be on major stations on TV. We're going to be streaming every hour and a half online. Here's a little little uh, taste of what it's going to be like. Take, Take a look at this. Christmas, a time of wonder, a time of hope, a time of anticipation. Celebrate the joy of the holiday season with Sagebrush Church, on demand, online, or on TV, December 24th and 25th. Visit sagebrush.church Christmas for service times and ways to watch. So needless to say, we're pretty excited about it. We have a full orchestra that's going to be playing at our Christmas Eve services. We have other special things planned for you. So make sure you pick a time, get your family together, and celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're in the middle of a series called Would You Rather? We're talking about choices that we make in life. And I know how much you guys love to play the Would You Rather game. So we're going to play it 
Once again, are you ready for question number one? This is so much better, having someone in the room to play the game with. It's so weird playing the game when there's no one in the room. Like, would you rather? And I don't see anybody. So this is wonderful that we have some folks here, all right? So play along here in the room by raising your hand as to which one you would rather. And if you're home, play along in the living room. That's what we did last week. My family, we played along with me. That was weird. Okay, uh, so would you rather question number one? Would you rather it be hot all the time or it be cold? All the time. So think that one through for just a second. Would you rather it be hot all the time or would you rather it be cold all the time? How many would rather be hot all the time? Let me see. Hot all the time. So you don't mind sweating in places you've never sweat before in your life. That's great. Okay. Uh, okay. How many would like I'm, I'm cold all day? Cold. You don't mind snot freezing in your nose everywhere you go. You like I, That's a wonderful sensation for me, right? Okay. All right. I, I'm going to go with hot for me personally if, if you're curious. How about this one? Would you rather be poor with lots of good friends or be rich with no friends? So we're going to find out how many introverts we have here today. How many would rather be poor with lots of friends? Wow, that's surprising because I would pick the second one. I would rather be rich and just enjoy life by myself, okay? I'm just kind of weird that way. All right, how about, how about this one? Would you rather have an easy job working for someone else or work for yourself but work incredibly hard? Which would you rather do? I asked my daughter this one. She said, how much do each job's pay? That's what she asked. <laughs> Get to the bottom line, kid, all right. How many would like to have an easy job just working for somebody else? Just curious how many lazy people we have here today. It's a joke. It's a joke. How many would say, oh, no, I'd rather work for myself. I don't need somebody bossing me around. They go, okay, it's about 50-50 out there. One more. This is my favorite one. Here it is. Would you rather be without the Internet or live without AC and heating? It just got real, didn't it? Right there. Oh. I can't do either one of those, right? Think about through. Would live without the internet or without AC and heating? Here we go. How many would rather live without the internet? Whoa, I am shocked. You're sick of social media as much as I am. Okay, very good. Yeah. How many say, oh, no, I, I could live without AC and heating. I could do that. You like to sweat in places you'd never sweat before and have your boogers dry up. Okay, that's a, that's, the game is a fun game. And the reason it's important for little kids to play the game is because they understand that choices make a difference. You know, a very wise person once said, you make your choices, and then your choices make you. Now, what we're finding out in this series is that many times we have two different choices we can make, and sometimes the, we have an easy choice we can make, and sometimes we have a very difficult choice that we can make. And for the most part, people will pick the easier way rather than the hard way, even though the hard way will eventually lead you to be the person that you actually want to be. Many times we'll just choose the easy path instead of the hard path because it's easy. Think about this. It's easier to eat another donut than it is to get back on that treadmill. It's a whole lot easier. I can tell you that from personal experience to eat the donut. It's easier, isn't it, to turn the TV on rather than open up that Bible or to play with your smartphone and ticky-tocky and snappy-chatty and, and uh, Instagrammy and do all those different things that are on the phone because that's a whole lot more exciting than just sitting there and absorbing the very counsel and the Word of God. It's easier if we're honest, to just keep giving into the bad habit, to just keep returning to the same sin that we promised God and everybody else that we wouldn't to. And, and, and why do we keep returning to it? Because it's easier. 
It's just the path of least resistance. It's easier to let your temper get the best of you. It's easier to really rile on somebody and yell at somebody and put somebody in their place than it is to treat them with love and with dignity and with respect. But here's the thing. How's it working out for you all the times that you take the easy choice? Because if it's anything like me, when I go the easy way, it never ends up being what I thought it would be. And I never end up becoming the person that I believe that God wants me to become. And here's what's interesting. Jesus didn't call us to the easy life. Jesus called us to the hard life, to the narrow road, to the hard choice. Do you remember what Jesus said when people wanted to be his disciple? He said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they must what? They must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me daily. Does that sound like the easy road to anybody? Does that sound like the easy choice to anybody? I mean, those are some pretty serious words, aren't they? Deny yourself. Put off gratification. Put off instant gratification and want something greater with your life. Then take up your cross. Everybody in the first century knew what Jesus was talking about there. That meant to die. They had seen people be crucified. In fact, when Jesus was a kid, they crucified so many people, they ran out of wood. So when Jesus says, you deny yourself, you put off instant gratification, you go the harder way, and then you take up your cross. You die to yourself, to your dreams, your hopes, your ambitions. That's pretty intense, wouldn't you say? And then Jesus says this to end it, and you do it every day. It's not a one and done kind of proposition. You do it day after day after day after day after day. And here's the thing. If you'll do it day after day after day after day, you will end up, because you took the hard road, the, the narrow road, the hard choice, you'll end up becoming the me that you always wanted to be. You'll end up becoming the person that God always wanted you to become. So today we're talking about another hard choice. And we know the right answer. We know which one we should raise our hand for. But this is very hard to do. And it's the choice between being kind and being unkind. Uh, this past week, the band put together a song by Tim McGraw. We're doing a lot of country music around here lately. Have you noticed that? Uh, Tim, uh, there's six people over there very excited, okay? Uh, and four more over there. So good for you. We'll pray for you all, okay? Uh, but this is called Humble and Kind. One of my favorite songs of all time. It's, it's from the perspective of a dad trying to instill to his child the necessity of being humble and being kind. So take a look at this.
summer sunshine always stay humble and kind don't take for granted the love this life gives you when you get where you're going don't forget to turn back around help the next one in line always stay humble and kind so good. I'm so proud of the staff for the things that they accomplish every single week to make our services everything they're supposed to be. Man, I'm so proud of them. They do such a great job. So let's, let's talk about the choice between being kind and let's talk about the choice of being unkind. Because I don't know if you've been watching TV lately. It seems like a lot of people are choosing unkind. And I don't know if you know the political situation in our world today and if you know about all the stuff with the coronavirus and whether you should wear a mask or you shouldn't wear a mask. And Let's talk about being kind. How does that sound? Uh, Mike Bro is a pastor. He tells the story of a time he's at the Golden Corral on a Sunday afternoon enjoying a little bit of buffet. Remember buffet? Buffets are dead now. But buffet, back in the day, buffet, it was a good time, wasn't it? Buffet, that's when you would walk down a line where everybody else had already touched the food before you got there, right? The buffet, the grossest place on the face of the earth, the buffet. He's at the Golden Corral on a Sunday afternoon just enjoying some buffet. Well, there was this little girl. She was about 17, 18 years old, and she came out from behind, and she had one of those big five-gallon buckets of ranch with her. And she tripped over her own feet or maybe over a tile, I don't know. But there was a guy sitting there eating there. And all of a sudden, when she tripped that five-gallon bucket of ranch, she dumped it all over this guy. From the top of his head all the way down to the bottom of his feet, he was just dripping in ranch. And the girl was absolutely horrified. She said, oh, sir, 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 I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he's just got it dripping off his nose and dripping off his chin and dripping off his shoulder and off his hands. He's just covered in ranch dressing. Now, it was obvious to everybody in the room that this was an accident, that the girl didn't intentionally come out to dump five gallons of ranch dressing upon this one guy. Everybody knows that she was sorry because she kept saying it over and over and over again. But the guy got up and started berating the girl, started yelling at her, 
started calling her every name in the book, started using all kinds of profanity against this poor little girl. And she's grabbing napkins and she's doing everything to try to get the ranch dressing on. And she's apologizing again and again and again. He said, this is a brand new suit. This is the first time I've worn this suit. And you come out here and you pour all this ranch dressing on me. He said, I want to see your manager right now. You get your manager for me because I'm going to get you fired. And not only that, but I'm going to get my reimbursed for my suit. So she runs off crying to get the manager. So the manager comes running out. He asks, can I help you? Not a good question to ask under that situation. Because the man's covered in ranch dress. He said, can you help me? He said, that, that dumb girl you got working for you, she poured ranch dressing all over me. And this is a brand new suit. Do you know how much this suit cost me? This suit cost me $350. And the man said, I'm sorry, sorry, sir. She didn't mean to do it. We'll get your suit cleaned. He said, I don't want my suit cleaned. I want a brand new suit. Then his wife started chiming in. That's right. He wants a brand new suit right now. You get him a brand new suit. He said, I can get it cleaned for you. I'll get it cleaned for you. He said, I don't want, I want a check. I want a check for $350. And the manager said, why don't we go back to my office and we can talk about this. So the man got up with his wife and they walked back to the, to the area to have a conversation. Mike said he didn't know what happened. But he assumes that the manager wrote the man a check for $350. Now here's what's interesting. That happened on a Sunday afternoon. Let me ask you a question. Let's play detective for just a second. Why would somebody be at the Golden Corral on a Sunday afternoon in a suit? Hmm, why would somebody have a suit on on a Sunday afternoon? I might be a very smart man, but I think maybe he just came from church. And maybe he just heard a sermon about love your neighbor as yourself. Or be kind to one another. Maybe you've been in the food service industry. You know, food and service industry people say, they say the worst day to wait on someone is Sunday afternoon. And you know why? Because we leave church mean. And why do we leave church mean? Because the preachers made you feel like, you know, this big. And so you walk out and you feel this big and you're mad and you're upset because you're not what you need to be. And you go to church and you go out to eat afterwards and then you put it out on the waiter. You put it out on the waitress. Did you also know that they ask people in the food service industry that they hate working Sunday afternoons? Not only because the people are mean and rude who have just left the church. But we're also the worst tippers. We're the least generous. As well. Why, why couldn't he have just said, you know... It's okay. I'll get the suit cleaned. Obviously, you didn't mean to do it on purpose. What a poor example of what it is to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To treat someone that way and to act in that way. And yet, that's what we see today. Whether a person is a follower of Jesus or whether a person has nothing to do with Jesus, what we see is people who are harsh, people who are cruel, People who won't lift a finger to help somebody else along the way. Kindness is just missing in our society today. A few years ago, we had a worship pastor who was on staff, and his sister had recently got married, and they had waited a few months to go on their honeymoon, and they headed off to Vegas for the honeymoon, and they were so excited. Well, on the flight into Vegas, the, the, the gentleman, the brother-in-law, began to have some issues. He had a really bad headache. He felt like he had a migraine coming on, but he never had a migraine before in his life. 
So he told his bride, he said, I don't feel well. I'm, I'm, when we land, I'm going to go into the restroom. So they get off the plane, and they, and they get to the nearest restroom, and he walks in to the bathroom. And it was in the bathroom that this web of arteries and veins that were crisscrossing began to explode. They began to burst. And the young man lost control of himself and fell to the ground and began to seize up. He began to have convulsions. And every time a blood vessel would pop, he'd have another convulsion. Now, there were other people, other men in the bathroom, and not one of them went to his side or to his aid to try to help him in any manner at all. Well, here's the bride outside waiting, and she doesn't know what's going on with her husband. She doesn't know that he's on the ground. She doesn't know that he's trying to swallow his tongue. She doesn't know the seizing that's happening right now. And people are coming and going, and they're not saying a single word. Ten minutes goes by. Fifteen minutes goes by. Twenty minutes goes by. And now with every tick of the clock, she's getting more and more anxious. She's getting more and more upset. And so she stops a guy who's walking by the bathroom and says, listen, my husband's been in the restroom for quite some time. He was saying he was having some kind of medical issue. Could you please go in? She gave a description of who he was. Could you please go in and see how he's doing and come back and report to me? Tell him that I'm worried. So the man stopped. He went inside the bathroom. He saw the young man on the ground convulsing and seizing. You know what he did? He went out a different exit door. So he didn't have to see the girl. 32 minutes went by, and finally she couldn't wait any longer, and she busted into the men's restroom and found her husband on the ground seizing with men all around. Now, what is it about our world today where we could care less about somebody who's hurting? What is it about our world today where we can't pick up our cell phones that we always have with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we can't dial three simple numbers? What's wrong with people that we won't lift a finger to help somebody else along the way? The kindness of Christ is missing. It's missing in our rhetoric. It's missing in our speeches. It's missing in the way that we treat other people. We're supposed to elevate the kindness of Christ. So here's the question. How do we do this? Because I don't think there's anybody here who wants to be unkind. I don't think there's anybody here who wants to be harsh. I don't think there's anybody here who wants to be a jerk. So how do we exemplify the kindness that Christ has shown us and pass that on to somebody else? Three little insights. Write these down. Here we go. Number one, we got to realize that every person is valuable to God. And that they deserve the kindness of Christ. Every single person matters to God. That's our little saying around here, right? Every single person matters to God, and they should matter to us as well. And it doesn't matter their political affiliation. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It it doesn't matter what they've done in their past and the foolish mistakes and choices that they've made. Every single person we lock eyes with matters to God, and they should matter to us as well. John Ortberg tells a story in one of his books about a time when he was going to an antique store. This happened years ago. He went to an antique store with his, with his wife. Now, before they entered the antique store, his wife, Nancy, stopped him. She said, listen, I've been in this antique store before, and there's a lot of priceless things in here. I mean, the price tags in here, are, they are super expensive, and there's going to see tons of signs that say don't touch. And she said, John, I know you well enough that you will go in there and you'll start seeing little knickknacks and doohickeys and you'll start touching those things and you shouldn't touch them. And not only that, but you've got our baby on your back. John had his baby in a backpack. Well, not in a backpack, just, you know. 
you get the visual, right? He's a backpack baby, all right? So she said, that baby will lunge for something and you'll freak out and then you'll break something and it, you'll have to pay for it out of your allowance for the next 20 years. And John was offended. He said, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? I've got a doctorate degree in psychology. I'm pretty sure I can handle a baby on my back for 30 minutes in a store. I'll be just fine. So they went into the store. And they'd been in there, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And sure enough, John forgot all about the baby on his back. And the baby lunged for something on the shelf. And John saw that little tiny hand in the peripheral you know, of his eyes. And he, and, he, and he lunged back just before the baby could get to it. Well, his wife, Nancy, who was just down the aisle just a little bit, she heard the commotion. And so she turned quickly. Oh, I failed to mention to you that Nancy was eight months pregnant. She's a little wider than she normally was. And so when she turned abruptly, she knocked over a vase and it fell to the ground and became a precious memory real quick. John said that happened 10 years ago and she's still paying for it. Every day you walk through God's shop, God's shop of people, and every single person that you lock eyes with is someone who matters to God. They all have a price tag on them. You know what the price tag says? Worth the life of my son. The gay person that you despise is worth the life of his son. The rebellious teenager, worth the life of God's son. The person covered in tattoos from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet is worth the life of God's son. The person who doesn't have any tattoos at all is worth the life of God's son. The stay-at-home mom, the working mom, the stay-at-home dad, the working dad, worth the life of God's son. That person who has got a different skin color than you've got, he's worth the life of God's son. We're supposed to treat people with kindness, with dignity, with respect. We're supposed to care more about what they're saying than what we have to say to them. There was a, a guy by the name of Mark, and Mark lived in one of these big cities, and he walked to work, lived downtown. He came to a particular street corner, and that's where the crazy was at. Everybody hated to be on the street corner because that guy was absolutely nuts. He talked to himself a lot, and he'd wander around and muddle and mumble and make you feel uncomfortable. And here Mark was standing at this street corner, and, and he's just got the crazy, and it's just him at the street corner. He's like, oh, my goodness, what in the world am I going to do? And he's just praying to God that the light would turn green so he could move on. And the crazy came over, and, and, he, and he said, do you have something for my folder? The guy had an old beat-up manila folder in his hand. He said, do you have something for my folder? And Mark said, I don't have any money. I don't carry any cash. And the crazy said, well, that's not, that's not what I asked. I just, I just want to know if you have anything from my folder. Do you have anything from my folder? Mark said, no, I don't have anything for your folder. And the crazy said, my name's, my name's Howard. What's your name? And Mark said, my, na my name's Mark. And the light turned green. Mark took out. Got across the street as fast as he could, and he kind of glanced to make sure the crazy wasn't following. When we looked back, he saw the crazy was picking up a piece of paper and writing something on the piece of paper, putting it in the manila folder. About three, four days went by, end of the week. Mark finds himself on the same street corner, but the crazy is not there. A couple of ambulances are there. The crazy has passed away. They've got him on a stretcher, and they're taking him away, and there's a police officer with a, a box of junk and he's asking people in the crowd if anybody knew who the crazy was 
Mark said, I, I know his name was Howard. I don't know anything other than that. And the police officer said, well, would you take the box? I don't really want to fill a report out and bring it back to the station. If you take it, that would be, be great. And he just kind of shoved it into Mark's hands, and Mark didn't know what to do. And before he knew it, the police officer had walked away, and he was stuck with the stuff. Mark said, I wanted to throw it away. I wanted to go to the nearest dumpster, and I wanted to get rid of that stuff as fast as I could, but something inside me wouldn't let me. So I began to fumble around inside. It was a bunch of old clothes and other stuff. He said, but there was that manila folder. He said, I picked up that manila folder, and written on the outside, it said, friends. He said, when he opened it up, there was a piece of scratch paper, and it had the name Mark. You know those homeless people that you see? That could be somebody's dad, somebody's mom, somebody's son, somebody's daughter. That's someone who's made in the image of God. And they need to be treated with dignity and kindness and with respect. See, every day you have a choice. It's a choice to be understanding. It's a choice to be accepting. It's a choice to be loving. It's a choice to be kind. Look what the Bible tells us here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Because of God's deep love and concern for you, you should practice tender-hearted mercy and kindness to others. I looked up the word in Greek, others, and it means others. It's everybody. Even your greatest enemy. Even the person you can't stand, you're to give them kindness. Second thing is this. We must reach out and choose to put the needs of other people ahead of our own. Here's what I found to be true about the human condition. It's easier to put our needs ahead of the needs of other people. And it's easy, and this has kind of been the theme of this whole thing, because I feel like the coronavirus has kind of made us a little bit self-absorbed to where we care more about ourselves than we care about anybody else. Um, it's the choice every day to look out for someone else. It's the choice every day to bring peace in the midst of uh, an unrestful situation. It's the choice to put somebody else ahead of yourself. I, I came up with this, I thought that was pretty good, about how you can live a self-absorbed life and you can be absolutely miserable. Isn't this going to be fun? You're looking forward to this, aren't you? See, see if any of these things are true of you. Some were true of me. I got some work to do here. It says, how to be self-absorbed and absolutely miserable. Think about yourself and what you want and need all the time. And think about your prayer life this past week. I mean, how many times did you pray for the doctors and the nurses and the people who were sick and just for the people who just drive you absolutely crazy? Or do you spend your time really talking more about what you want and what you need and what you expect God to do for you, or kind of self-absorbed with your prayers. Uh, refuse to think about anyone else and what they're going through. Kind of relates to the first one, doesn't it? Uh, talk about yourself all the time. Turn every conversation on yourself. Always, always be the one-upper. You, you know the one-upper, or the person who always has a better story than the first person who had a story. Don't be that person, but it's a one-upper. You, you've been around the one-upper. If you don't know a one-upper, you are the one-upper, just to let you know that if you didn't know that. 
Uh, look the other way as often as you can and do as little as possible for others. Uh, I think I skipped one. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. And walk around sulking when you don't get your way. It's a, it's a great way to be. Boy, that's our world today, isn't it? And how about number six? Love yourself so supremely and, and be selfish. A very wise person, he, he once said this. He said, the smallest package in the world is the person who's wrapped up all in himself. That's true, isn't it? And yet that's where we're becoming more and more as a, as a, as a people. We're just kind of wrapped up in ourselves, and, and we see a need and then we ignore the need. We don't, we don't, we don't be the hands and feet of Jesus because we're just trying to survive, right? And it's every man for himself. And hey, there's toilet paper. Let's get a whole bunch. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. God's word says, hey, if it's in your ability to, to be kind, if it's in your ability to meet a need, then kindness would demand that you would do something about the situation, that you would lean in to the situation, that you would be helpful in the midst of that situation. I've, I've been your pastor for 20, 21, coming up on 22 years. And you know what I found is the people who serve are the happiest people on the face of the earth, and those who don't are miserable people. You ever notice that? I always say to folks when they're thinking about whether they should serve in a ministry or whether they should be the hands and feet of Jesus or be the kind of person who sees the need and meets the need, I say, let's look at the volunteers of our church. Look at the team members of our church. You want to see happy people? Go to our pit stop ministry. I mean, we couldn't do pit stop for months because of the coronavirus, and then we got this cool machine that cleans every single car with this vaporizing thing, and we do it in this auditorium as well. We kill everything. Not you, but we kill everything else. So this is a very safe place. This is cleaner than any Home Depot, any Lowe's, any Smith's, any other place that you frequent that you've had to stay outside for two hours to get in, okay? This is the best place, okay? Um, so Pit Stop finally got to open back up again. And the guys and the gals who minister to the elderly and the single moms to keep their cars afloat, they couldn't wait. They were so excited to get back together again and to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. You know what's hurting a lot of people right now is their primary means of drawing close to God is through service, and they're not able to do it. And I know a lot of people who work in our jail ministry, and right now they can't go into the jails, and it's killing them. And they long to go back to the jails and be the hands and feet of Jesus and bring hope to a hopeless situation. I want to speak to all the jail volunteers for just a second. Understand, uh, because of our jail ministers, we're still getting the, the information in the jail. We're still getting the CDs, the DVDs in the jail, and they're still watching our stuff. And for all you who are in jail right now, I want you to know that this is a place that when you get out, we would love to have you be a part of our church. This is a place where kindness and grace and second chances are, and we would love for you to be a part and worship our Lord and Savior together. Listen, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus walks with failures as if they've never failed. And I'm one of those. And so is everybody else in this room. You want, you want to see happy people? When you go pick your kids up, the people who are volunteering to teach your kids about Jesus, those are some of the happiest people. You want to see happy people? When you go over to meet your teenager, they'll probably meet you at the car. They want to see you, you know, over there. But when you go meet them at the car, right, if you can see from a distance, you'll see that those volunteers, those team leaders, man, they are the happiest people on the face of the earth. Jesus was right. 
He was right when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Of course, the only people who don't know this truth are those who have never tested it out, who have never gotten involved in the ministry, who have never become the hands and the feet of Jesus. So how do we bring kindness? Well, every single person matters, and then we've got to make a decision that the needs of other people are more important than our own. It's a different way of living your life. And then let me give you the third thing. We must understand the cost of being unkind. How many times have you been unkind? How many times have you let anger get the best of you? How many times have you railed on somebody? How many times have you put somebody in their place? There's a cost to that. There's a cost to the person that you were unkind to, isn't there? You ever said something mean to somebody else and you watched a little of their self-esteem die right in front of your eyes? You ever seen that? You watched them kind of die. You watched them kind of wither. And you took away what they are, that they are made in the image of God. And that they're worth the, the death, life, burial, resurrection of Jesus. So whenever we're unkind, there's a cost to the person that we're being unkind to. But did you also know there's a cost to you? There's a cost to me? When you let it rip, when you go off on somebody else, when you were rude to somebody else because they were rude to you and you're going to repay evil with evil, there's a cost to you. Your heart becomes to get harder. And you become cynical. And you become skeptical. There's also a cost to the kingdom of God. Because I'm guessing that people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the value of Jesus, when we're unkind to somebody else, it goes down. But when we're kind, the value of Jesus goes up. When, we, when we, we're patient in a situation, we're kind in a situation, we're, we're gentle in a situation. The value of Jesus and his Holy Spirit that lives in us, when we respond that way, well, a lost and dying world takes note of that because it's so rare in our world today. So here's the question. Who could you be kind to this week? Who could you reach out to and, and help with a kind word or a gesture? Who could you be the hands and feet of Jesus to? One of my favorite prayers is the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Listen to what this says. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is sadness, joy. Where there is darkness, light. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Not so much to be loved as to love. For it's in giving that we receive. It's in pardoning that we are pardoned. It's in dying that we're born again to eternal life. What a great prayer. Some of you are watching me at home. Some of you are in this room. And you say, you know what, Todd? I'd really like to be a kinder person. But I have a hard time with this one. Well, the reason you might have a hard time with it is because maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you feel an emptiness inside of you that only can be filled through an intimate relationship with him. See, here's the thing. When you give your life to Jesus, he gives you this thing called the Holy Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. God resides inside of you and he gives you the kindness when you don't have the kindness. You see this whole series of would you rather and why we take the easy path rather than the hard one, the, the reason we keep doing that, we're not leaning on the Holy Spirit. We're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never had the Holy Spirit inside of you because you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. 
So if you want to talk to a pastor, you want to talk to a counselor today about a a next step that you want to take in your relationship with Jesus, you want to be a kinder person, you want to be the kind of person who sees a need and meets a need, you want to leave a legacy behind, all you got to do is call me or text me, 505-922-9200. You cannot pull this off on your own. You cannot pull it off in your own strength and your own power. Now, some of you are here and some of you are watching me. You're like, hey, man, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Well, that's fantastic. Is the Holy Spirit in charge of your life? Have you surrendered this area of your life over to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God? Every day, are you denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him with every fiber of your being? Because if you're not, you will always be a defeated Christian. You do not have the power within you if you do not tap into the power that's already inside of you. You say, how in the world do I tap into this power of the Spirit of God? You surrender. You say, God, less of me and more of you. God, set a guard over my mouth that I might sin against you. God, calm me down in the midst of this situation. May I reflect you in everything I say and in everything I do. May the power and presence of your Holy Spirit take over my mouth, take over my attitude. So that would be just like Jesus in this situation. And friends, listen, you got to do it every day. And sometimes you got to do it several times a day. It's about leaning on Christ in a way that you've never leaned on him before. And if you need some help with that, you can call me, 505-922-9200, or you can text me. And if you're in the room, you can go to the First Steps room. Because I know our pastors over there, they would love to meet with you and love to pray with you. And if you've got a prayer request, you've got a spiritual need, you're struggling, you're so frustrated, you're just frazzled, you just can't take it, you want someone to pray with you, stop over at the, uh, at the uh, next steps room, first steps room, and they, they would love to help you with all of that. Let me pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the folks who came and for those who are watching on TV and on the internet. Lord, I pray that we would tap into your Holy Spirit's power. God, that we would be a light for you. And that kindness would win the day. Lord, you tell us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Lord, we want to be a light. So fill us with your Spirit's presence. Lead us, less of us, and more of you. And Lord, for friends who are here and watching who do not have a relationship with you, give them the courage to make that call, to send that text so we can have that conversation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who could you be kind to this week? Who could you reach out to with a kind word or gesture? How could you be the hands and feet of Jesus today? These are all great questions to keep in mind as you go about your week. One way to be the hands and feet of Jesus is by extending an invite to church. Since Christmas is right around the corner, it is the perfect time to invite someone to celebrate the joy and hope of Christmas. This year, we have three ways to experience Christmas at Sagebrush, on demand, online, or on TV. Visit sagebrush.church Christmas for service times and ways to watch. Finally, if God has used the ministry of Sagebrush Church to bless your life and you want to contribute financially to the work God is doing across the world, you can make a donation at sagebrush.church give or by using the Sagebrush app. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next weekend as we continue in our series.